We are continuing on in our series this morning. Come on up, Christina. Uh, God's plan. Let's give it up for Christina. I, I really like to take a moment and just encourage whoever is speaking and say something about them. Each time they come up here, I enjoy doing that. And one thing that I really admire about CD is that this year, there is a, um, like a, a quiet confidence about you this year that is, uh, I have not seen to this level in previous years. And to see the growth in your life and who you are today is a wonderful, beautiful thing. And I love seeing it. So God bless you as you speak today. Thanks, Gavin. Um, this is... <laughs> This is a little bit off script. Um, it'll tie in later, I promise. But I'm just going to read this. Um, yeah, it's from Daniel chapter 4. To all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I am going to pray now. So, will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us your word. Please help me to... Um, communicate well what you would have us learn today. Great are your signs and wonders. We praise you. Thank you for your grace. Amen. Okay. Well, I guess it's an introduction time. We're going to start with my family. <laughs> Here we are. So that's my mom and me and my dad. And then on the right is my older sister, Jaya. Um, we've lived in Ontario for most of my life, although we're all technically from BC. My parents did go here when they were my age, so that's super fun. <laughs> Um, and then the next slide, that's my sister. She deserves her own slide. Well, all my family does, but that would take up a lot of time. But anyways, her name is Jaya. She did her bachelor's in music already, and now she's in Virginia doing her master's in trumpet performance. So that's her being really fancy, and she's kind of super great. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my family. I came here four years ago from Ontario to be in the Vivio program. <laughs> and that is exactly <laughs> the appropriate response from our program. <laughs> um, yeah, none of us are really known for being public speakers very often, so this is probably going to be the longest any of you have ever heard me talk ever. Um, 
So here you go, half an hour, four chapters of Exodus, 10 plagues, one sovereign Lord and one very stubborn Pharaoh. (laughs) My mouth is already dry. (laughs) Okay, start with a summary. And I'll try to go through it fast because 10 plagues is a little bit of a lot. So, we start chapter 7. I'm doing chapter 7 to 10, by the way. Um, Chapter 7 starts with Moses and Aaron are sent by God to Pharaoh to be like, oh, let the people go or else. And then Aaron turns his staff into a snake, but then the magicians do the same, and Pharaoh says, you can't go. Um, First sign, but not a plague, actually. The first plague is when Moses and Aaron are instructed to turn the water of the Nile into blood. And they do, but then the magicians can also do that. So then Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he didn't even take it to heart. But an important line is when God says, by this you will know I am Lord. And then the next plague is the frogs, seven days later. Um, Moses and Aaron raise frogs out of the Nile and they go everywhere. Ah. <laughs> and then, but then the magicians can make more frogs. And Pharaoh's like, oh no, take it away. And then Moses says, sure, I'll ask God to take it away. When do you want it to go away? Because it'll go away and then you'll know that the Lord is God. And Pharaoh says, do it at this time. And it happened just as he had asked. But then Pharaoh says, you can't go. Um, And this will become a pattern whenever there's total destruction. Pharaoh will be like, "Uh, can you make it stop? And then when it does stop, Pharaoh sins again and hardens his heart whenever there's relief. But after frogs is the gnats. We're in chapter 8 now. Um, Gnats go everywhere. But this time the magicians couldn't replicate the sign. And they say, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh still hardens his heart. After gnats comes the flies. And this time, the text says that God saved the land of Goshen from this plague because that's where his people were to show that he is Lord. After flies is livestock. God sent a plague over the livestock of only the Egyptians and not the Israelites to show that he was Lord. Pharaoh's heart was still unyielding. And then after livestock came the plagues. We're in chapter 9, by the way. Um, Boils inflicted, conflicted, afflicted. Got it. (laughs) Boils afflicted the Egyptians, but not the Israelites. But Pharaoh's heart was still hard. Or the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then after boils came the big storm. Um, Moses and Aaron warned Pharaoh and the Egyptians that they should take in their livestock because this big storm is coming and everything could be killed if you leave it out. Some of the Egyptians at this point, I mean, after so many plagues, they were like, should take in my livestock. That would be a good idea. So they did, but other people were still not listening. Um, But then the storm came. And God had told Pharaoh, I raised you up so that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. 
So at this point, Pharaoh says, okay, you can go. And Moses said, okay, then we'll make it stop. But I know you still don't feel the Lord. Fear the Lord. So they make it stop, and then the text says Pharaoh sinned again, and he wouldn't let them go. After this plague came the locusts. And the Lord said that this would happen so that you may tell your children and that you may know that I am the Lord. He also says, how long will you not humble yourself before me to Pharaoh? Even the Pharaoh's official said, how long will you let this man be a snare to us? Do you not realize that Egypt is ruined? They make a fair point. But Pharaoh says, okay, fine, only the men can go. Moses says, that's not good enough. And then Pharaoh says, okay, fine, then you can't go. The Lord hardened his heart. Last plague, well, second last plague. The very last plague is sort of out of my jurisdiction in chapter 11. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I had to write down all the plagues because I can't remember them all in order. (laughs) So the last, second last, is darkness. There was darkness for three days except for not in the land of Goshen where Israelites were God's people. And Pharaoh says, okay, you can go worship the Lord your God like you wanted, but you need to leave your livestock here. And Moses is like, we need our livestock. And Pharaoh says, okay, fine, you're not going. And the Lord hardens his heart again. And that's where it ends. Stubborn man. Proud man. So there's a few key texts that I want to highlight before I get into my three points. So, first one, chapter 7, verse 1 to 5. I think I only put up 3 to 5 on there. But 1 to 5 is all important. I'm in Daniel right now. Um, Here we go. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I, will, and though I multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites." And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. By the way, that was NIV, in case you were wondering, because I know some people find that important. (laughs) Um, So I highlighted some things, signs and wonders, and that's where the Daniel passage comes in. Um, Yeah. And then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 8, verse 10. He does this, these miracles, signs and wonders, these plagues, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. And then in 9.16, after so many plagues and all this destruction, God says, for by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped out, would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So, 
I could have put a lot more verses up there. Most of them would have said, so that you may know that I am the Lord. But these will become important later. So just to keep in mind. And now for my three points. Um, first, God is sovereign Lord. Second, Pharaoh is only human. And third, we are only human. Um, preparing for this sermon made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> because normally reading through Exodus, we imagine we are like Moses, afraid to fill the calling that God has asked us to do. Or we imagine ourselves to be Israelites, being saved from Egypt by God, who takes care of us. And yes, these are both true. But today I'll talk about how we are like Pharaoh. And I don't like that. <laughs> but it's true. Because we're human too. But the first point, talk about how this, these four chapters point to to God being our sovereign Lord. First, signs, signs and wonders. All these plagues are signs. Signs point to something, and these signs point to God being powerful, mighty, and in complete control. And he proves his power in the following ways. So if the miracles of the plagues aren't unnatural enough, he managed to outdo the magicians. It's like, okay, yeah, that's cool, but the magicians can do it too, so are you really that great, God? Yes, he is. By the third plague, he was already performing miracles that the magicians of Pharaoh couldn't replicate. And then, he saved only Israel from the plagues. There is no way this could happen under natural circumstances. God is completely powerful and in control. It's kind of like, okay, this is what came to my mind this morning when I was practicing this sermon, is, and this is a really odd reference because I haven't seen this movie in forever, but you know in the first Thor movie when it's raining and he's standing there and it's like not raining all around him? That's what it reminds me of. Because it's like, oh, that's special. Um, but most importantly, well, not most importantly, because all of it's very important. But in the first five verses, God told Moses and Aaron exactly everything that was about to happen. And everything happened as he said. He multiplied his miracles and signs, wonders, signs and wonders. And Pharaoh still said no. But we know that later God still delivered Israel from Egypt. We're not there yet, though. But it's a thing. <laughs> so God is sovereign Lord. Second point. Pharaoh is only human. And for some reason, he kept hardening his heart. Well, God said it was going to happen. But even when others started to see that God was sovereign Lord and like, how long do we have to suffer this? Pharaoh still hardened his heart and wouldn't let the Israelites go. All his destruction, his kingdom was coming to ruin, but he still felt like he needed to be 
in control. He's like, no, 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 this is my kingdom. I decide what happens. Even when it seemed like he was starting to let go of control, like he's starting to let go of the Israelites, he's like, okay, you can go, but you have to worship your God in this land. Or you can go, but only the men can go. Or you can go, but you got to keep your livestock here. So in the midst of all this destruction and all these signs pointing that there was someone greater than Pharaoh was, Pharaoh still felt like he could control the situation, that he was the one who called all the shots. Even when everyone else was saying, really, do you not see that the kingdom is in ruin? Also, compared to God and all his signs and wonders, Pharaoh had to get his magicians to replicate the signs and wonders at first, he couldn't even do it. And yet, for some reason, he thought he could handle the situation. Just doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, to quote Peter, Peter Lindstrom, (laughs) Pharaoh only has so much control. God is literally God. How could anyone think that they could be in control of their lives when there is a God so much greater than us and we have signs and wonders to prove it. Unfortunately, I would say that we can be like that. Pharaoh's only human and so are we. I say we are only human, not as an excuse. Not like, oh, you messed up, you're only human, that's okay. I mean this to be as sort of a warning, sort of an encouragement. I'll explain. (laughs) We are only humans, so we will want to rule. We see it everywhere in the Bible. Adam and Eve, God told them, don't eat the fruit. What do they do? I want to eat the fruit. So they eat the fruit. And then there's Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Not Belted. Belshazzar. (laughs) Um, Quick side note. I think it's great how God speaks to us because... Different words from my meetings with Kim and my classes all sort of weave together into the sermon. And that's definitely not me doing that. Um, so, yes, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar from Daniel. I've been studying Daniel because I'm in eschatological literature. And they were both kings. And they thought, oh, I'm the best. Everything is great, and I'm great. And then God came along and was like, hmm, no, you're not. <laughs> he sent Nebuchadnezzar to become wild for seven times. I don't claim to know what seven times is. Um, was it seven years? <laughs> but afterwards, Nebuchadnezzar came around and was like, oh, yeah, God is great. I'll praise him. And that's what my opening was from, was Nebuchadnezzar saying, great is God and his wonders, praise him.
<laughs> um, and Belshazzar, he was also really proud and God humbled him, but that was more harsh because his repentance is not like Nebuchadnezzar's. Um, and then there's the New Testament. All the people were witnessing signs and wonders, and yet they still did not believe. I noted this from taking New Testament theology, specifically in the book of John. <laughs> um, so it's not something, or rather, wanting to rule and not seeing God's glory and power and sovereignty is something that we are going to struggle with. Lots of people in the Bible did, and so will we. We will make plans and we will have expectations. We will have expectations of who we will be, what we will do, and what the results will be. There's some problems <laughs> with that because sometimes it will work out. And sometimes when it works out, we'll take the credit. And a lot of times we shouldn't. Other times, we will set our expectations for who we want to be here. But we are only human, so we'll be down here. We'll set our expectations for what we want to do up here, but we can only do this much. And we'll set expectations for what will happen from our actions and who we are to be something that might not happen. And we don't know what will happen because we are only human. At the beginning of chapter 7, God predicted exactly, well, he didn't predict. He said what was going to happen, and it happened. What makes us think we can do that? We can't. We're only human, so we're not going to be perfect. We're only human, so our plans are only going to be limited to the scope of our own little kingdom. Whereas God has a bigger scope of his kingdom, of which we're only servants in. This sounds a little bit abstract, but there are some examples that maybe some of us are familiar with. Sunday school. We think we're going to be the perfect teacher. We plan the perfect lesson. So we think this is going to go perfectly well. Our kids are going to be enraptured. They're going to learn the lesson that we want them to learn. And they're going to listen to us because we'll be so engaging. <laughs> and then we go in all prepared thinking that we're great and it's going to be great. And then all these kids are running around screaming. And that kid that's always quiet and you think one day, they're going to open up to me because I'm so great. And they're going to trust me. They're still going to sit there in the corner. And you won't know what they're thinking. <laughs> or there's the other kid who's always running around rambunctious. And it seems like he's never listening to what you're saying. Or she's never listening to what you're saying. You think this is going to be the time. I made it fun enough. They're going to pay attention. And then you go. And it doesn't seem like they're paying attention. And you're like, what's going on? I thought, I'm perfect. And if it's going to work and the results were going to 
they're going to meet my expectations and my expectations aren't being met. Why does it feel like everything's falling apart? And it's because we're not supposed to be holding everything together. <laughs> God is the one with the whole world in his hands. He loves people better than we love people. Well, our expectations for ourselves are here and our capabilities are here. God's power and sovereignty is off the charts. Our plans are only so limited. His are beyond our imaginations. God knows so much more than we do. We can think that we're going to save this youth and we'll keep loving them and we'll keep loving them and not see results and think something's wrong. You don't know that. How many times have we heard stories of youth who seem to not understand what you're saying and years later coming back and saying you made a big difference? We don't know. But God knows. God is sovereign Lord, and we're only human. So, we should give up a little bit of control. Instead of being stubborn like Pharaoh and saying, This is my kingdom, and this is how it's going to work, and I'm the best. <laughs> We have all the signs and miracles from the Bible, from our lives. We have people giving us advice in our lives as well, saying, do you think those expectations are achievable? (laughs) Maybe, Maybe you can take it down a little bit. It's easier to give up control when we remember that God is sovereign and that he's doing so much more than we can imagine and that even though we are so inadequate because we're human, God is sovereign Lord and he more than makes up for us. We are only servants in his kingdom, not pharaohs over our own. We're only servants in God's kingdom, not pharaohs over our own. And sometimes this will be the last thing, I think. Um, Because I think some of you will be able to relate to it because of past experience, or maybe you will relate to it at some point later. We can try to take on so much while we're here at Summit. (laughs) We want to be the perfect student. We want to run the best youth group. We want to be the best friend, the best RA, the best Omega intern, um, best Omega student. And we do so much, and we take on 
so much, and it feels like we have to, and our expectations are so high. And then we can't meet it because we're only human. Last semester, I took on too much, and it caused a little bit of ruin. Remember how Pharaoh's kingdom suffered? I would say that mine did too. All of a sudden, I was so overloaded that I couldn't fulfill my responsibilities as I would have liked to. And I took a whole semester to figure out, this is what I'm supposed to do. These are my responsibilities and my priorities. I'm not the one who has to save these kids at the ministry. God loves them, he'll take care of them, even if I'm not there. We can do that, because <laughs> God's going to take care of them. He'll take care of us. He's sovereign, and he loves everyone so much more than we can. He can do a better job than we can, and he has a better plan than we could ever have. So we can give up a little bit of control. And we need to keep remembering, <laughs> because otherwise it's really hard to do that. Because we get confused thinking that we're kings, queens pharaohs. <laughs> when God is the king, he has an everlasting kingdom that we're serving in, and that we're not the ones supposed to be saving people because Jesus is the savior of the world. I've run out of words. <laughs> so I'll just pray, and then it'll be lunch. God, thank you for being so good. Bigger than we can imagine. Help us to trust you every day. Thank you that you're in control. Thank you for your signs and wonders that remind us of who you are. Help us to remind each other of who you are. And thank you for the community that you give us here at Summit or off Summit. Give us all peace and strength. Amen. <laughs>